Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to share simple, easy to understand insights, strategies and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about the five most common fears about money. If we have a look at past returns over the last 20 years, you look at the US share market, it's risen fivefold, uh, the Aussie share market five, nearly five and a half times, uh, and Australian property, which uh, really the proxy I used was Melbourne and Sydney, uh, 4.2-fold, uh, so a little bit less than uh, those share markets, but still pretty good returns. So it means that if you had invested, say, half a million dollars 20 years ago, that those uh, those investments or those assets uh, should be worth somewhere in the range to of 2 to $2.5 million dollars, uh, whether that's either shares or property or a combination of those uh, two asset classes. And if you had it added in some gearing, so that is borrowed to invest, uh, you'd have even more today. So I think this observation raises a, a pretty interesting question, and that is why aren't more people independently wealthy? And I suspect the answer lies in their actions or probably more correctly, their inaction. Uh, so then if we uh, um, unravel that question further, uh, why aren't people taking action to build wealth? And it could be lots of different reasons, of course, but I suspect the answer is um, probably related to the story that they're telling themselves about money. Uh, so more of an emotional uh, issue rather than a, a practical one. Uh it's a widely accepted fact that in that we in fact make decisions based almost solely on emotions. That is kind of how we feel about a, at a certain time or about or about a particular uh, matter, uh, and then uh, find rational reasons to justify that emotional decision. Uh, so we and often we do this unconsciously as well. So we don't even sometimes know that we're doing it. Now, we like to believe that we're logical and rational animals, but the truth is that we're not, you know, and particularly our decisions about money are often shaped by our childhood, our upbringing, you know, our peer group, kind of who we're hanging around with, um, past experiences, uh, you know, our culture. There's lots of different things, right? And we tell ourselves stories about money. Um, and then we use kind of confirmation bias to valid the, validate those stories. The confirmation bias is really looking for all the evidence that supports the story that you're telling yourself. So, you know, if you're telling yourself a story, people like me don't become wealthy, uh, then you'll look for all the evidence of people just like you that haven't become wealthy and all of a sudden you've validated your own kind of emotional decision. So I think self-awareness and reflection are probably the two greatest gifts um, that help you recognize how you think about money. Uh, and then that'll allow you to sort of stop letting emotions influence your financial decisions. And the reality is that building wealth requires a very logical, pragmatic, unemotional, rational approach. And in fact, emotions are not only unhelpful, uh, but often dangerous because I'll invite you to make uh, sometimes very costly mistakes. So with that preamble and, and background, let's talk about the five more common fears that people have about money. And I'll say this at the outset, some people might have these fears, but still persevere and um, continue to invest despite the fears. Uh, some people have no fears, uh, other people are going to be crippled by these fears. So I guess the uh, way to kind of listen to this podcast is really 
to kind of self-reflect uh, and just try and understand, I guess, our own behaviours. Um, and for some people, you know, it'll explain a lot in regards to perhaps it'll explain a lot in regards to where their financial position is. And for investors that are doing okay anyway, it's a good reminder, you know, that we're all sort of susceptible uh, to some of these fears and it's good to sort of watch out for them. Okay, let's jump into the first one. Uh, and the first one uh, I think is uh, is telling ourselves that paying attention will be painful. Uh, and uh, so, so this is really where people know that they're not managing money as well as they can, um, but don't really want to face that fact because they fear that, that facing that fact is going to create some pain, either uh, some, some dinted ego or you know a sort of change to the way that they're spending and perhaps uh, an impact on their standard of living. And so sometimes it's we feel it's uh, it's easier or less painful to kind of stick a, stick ahead in the sand and just ignore the problem. So a good example is you know someone that's uh, spending all their income on, on just lifestyle matters, going out, eating out, whatever. Obviously this is pre-COVID, uh, or or outside New South Wales in Victoria. <laughs> um, uh, but we all know, you know, we all know that spending everything you earn and and not saving any money or investing any money isn't prudent, right? So that's that's pretty much common sense. Anyone that's listening to this podcast uh, sort of realizes that. Um, uh, but you know, if the, if they need to change their behaviour, they've firstly got to recognise they've been doing the wrong thing for the past year, two years, decade, whatever it might be, uh, and then they've got to come to terms with potentially changing their spending habits. Uh, and uh, you know that which might mean going out less, spending less, uh, buying less stuff. Uh, and uh, that all just seems painful. It seems painful because, you know, I have to admit that I'm being silly with money, uh, and then I've got to admit that I'm going to have to change my ways and uh, perhaps I won't get that dopamine hit of a little bit of retail therapy. And my best response to something or thinking like that is to realise that um, the, the problem is that ignoring financial misbehaviour uh, doesn't make it magically disappear. All it does is push it out into the future and allow the negative impacts to compound. So just like good decisions compound, so do bad ones. And so the longer you ignore it, the worse the consequences will be. And it's, and it's going to be, it's a matter of fact that those consequences will be forced upon you at some point. Because at some point, you're going to have to retire. At some point, you're going to stop working. And at that point, you're then either relying on whatever savings and investments you have or the age pension. Uh, so at some point, you're going to have to face those facts. And the longer you delay it, the more painful it will become. And so really to, really to affect change in our life, whether it's about money or anything else, the pain from not changing has to be bigger than the pain from changing. Uh, and this is the way to sort of leverage yourself. Uh, that This is the way to sort of leverage yourself into change. Because you might go, okay, it's going to be painful because now I can only go out to dinner twice a week instead of five times, for example. Um, and that's a painful outcome. Uh, but a worse painful outcome is not having any money in retirement, uh, living on $26,000 a year or whatever the age pension is, um, and uh, living a completely different lifestyle, not having any financial security at that point. That is incredibly painful and a lot more painful than not going out to dinner a couple of extra times a week. And that's really then how to leverage yourself through that change. But the fact is, and the thing that we need to remind ourselves is that we can't ignore 
uh, our, our uh, lack of financial prudence. Probably the best analogy I can use to explain that would be like someone having a, a, a terminal disease or a potentially terminal disease uh, and saying, oh, look, I'll go to the doctor next month or I'll go to the doctor next year, next year knowing that you know, if they don't get treatment, uh, it could be terminal. Uh, whereas if they got treatment as soon as possible, we all know that there, it gives you the greatest chance to recover from something, you know, something severe like that. So, and, and money's no different. You know, although we, it's easier to ignore than health consequences, um, the, the potential impact is just as severe. Of course, you know, losing your life is severe, but, you know, what I'm sort of saying is the compounding impact uh, of ignoring prudent financial management uh, is significant. It gets to a point where it's gone too far uh, and you don't have enough time to sort of turn it around. And so really getting that... Um, I get, getting that foresight, I think, is the best way to sort of navigate that that risk. Okay, common fear number two: investing is risky. I could lose all your, all my money. So, of course, we work hard to accumulate savings. Um, we make sacrifices. Uh, you know, we make sacrifices in terms of not spending that money, and having money in the bank makes us feel financially secure. And, uh, and of course, we don't want to lose this money. And this sort of person that has this sort of fear is probably the opposite to that fear number one, which they're kind of spending everything and not caring about money in the bank. Um, uh, now, of course, when we invest, you know, we, we do so for the, the aim to generate future returns. But obviously, future returns are uncertain. We can kind of predict what we might be expect or what we'd be happy with. Um, but of course, you know, there's no guarantees what those future returns look like. And that's what we call investment risk, you know, the risk that you don't achieve your targeted investment returns. And that's what people kind of get paralyzed about. Um, but even more so, it's about losing capital. So it's less about returns and more so about capital. Look, if I invest in the share market, um, I'll put $200,000 in the share market tomorrow. I don't want to wake up tomorrow morning and it's only worth 100000 That paralyzes people. But the reality is, and this is how I would respond to this risk, is that risk isn't black or white, right? Um, it, the fact is it's very easy to dial up or down investment risk within a portfolio. So it's quite possible to start investing, but take very little risk. And then gradually, as you become more comfortable, increase the risk in your portfolio. Um, but actually, I think really uh, people have very similar risk profiles, and I might do a podcast about this I think really most people uh, would be happy um, to invest for the long term, um, generate a, a an acceptable but not ridiculous return over a very long period of time, but not lose money. Because for most people, that means that they're not taking too much risk, but they're still able to achieve their goals. And for most people, that's more than acceptable. Few people are absolutely, totally petrified and don't want to take any risk. And few people really want to swing for the fences and risk all their money. Most people are, as I explained it. And so really the best way to reduce your risk is to adopt evidence-based strategies. Because if I'm applying a, a rules-based approach, and those rules are supported by historical data that demonstrates that if I uh, take this rules-based approach over the last, or I took this rules-based approach over the last 30 years, it would have produced great returns, then really that's the best way to reduce risk, I think. It's not throwing darts at a dartboard. It's using strategies that, have, uh, that are supported by strong evidence that they're going to work over the time periods, over decent time periods. You know, I'm not saying that every strategy works 
over the next month. But if we have the discipline to follow it, it'll over a, you know, a decade, for example, um, then returns start to become very predictable uh, rather than unpredictable. Okay, uh, fear number three, if I try, I might fail. So um, no one likes to look like an idiot, of course. Well, except for um, uh, AFL Carlton supporters. Uh, that's probably the only exception because uh, they look a bit foolish every year. Um, but apart from that, most of us don't like to uh, look foolish. So sometimes it feels less risky to not try at all. Because if I try and fail, uh, then I've really proved to myself and everyone else that I couldn't do it. Whereas if I don't try at all, well, then I leave uh, failure uncertain. No one really knows whether I was going to be successful. So this is kind of similar to number two fear. Um, but number two is really about losing capital. Uh, this, this fear is really about ego. And that's really about um, not having egg on my face and so forth. And my best response to that is that uh, probably the highest uh, or the most risky thing uh, to do is to do nothing. So sure, you might uh, invest and you might fail and make mistakes. And in fact, I would say even the best investors in the world have made uh, their fair share of mistakes. Um, I think most mistakes are predictable. So there's a way to go about it to really reduce or eliminate making mistakes, particularly, uh, particularly if you can have a good advisor uh, to help you through that because they've made all those mistakes or seen people make all the same mistakes previously. Um, but even if you want to go it alone, you probably make a few mistakes along the way. Um, but it's necessary. That's necessary to how we learn, to how we actually improve. And ultimately, as long as you do more right than you do wrong, you know, you'll get there in the end. And if you're really worried about making mistakes and looking silly, well, uh, go and find yourself someone that's uh, travelled the road before, uh, that's, uh, that wants to do what you want to do in terms of your goals. And that could be a friend or it could be a financial advisor. Uh, hopefully choose someone that um, has a deep, deep level of knowledge on the topic that you're looking to follow um, and uh, just do what they do. Uh, don't repeat the same mistakes. Uh, and, uh, you know, quite often I've written, a, I've done another podcast previously, uh, where I suggested it's a who question, not a what. So quite often, when particularly around money, what should I do with my money? Uh, you can reframe that question to who should I speak to to find out what to do with my money? Because uh, instead of reinventing the wheel ourselves, and you can apply this uh, strategy to lots of different things other than money, of course, um, but instead of reinventing the wheel, why don't we just go and find someone that's been in the exact same position that, that I'm in, that succeeded and, and uh, achieved where, what I, exactly what I want to achieve, and find out what they did and get their advice uh, so they don't repeat those same mistakes. Okay, so fear number four now is people like me never get ahead. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, uh, our thoughts about money are often shaped by our childhood, our own experiences, and the people that we spend time with. Um, and those people tell us stories about money, and those stories echo in our own mind. And then they can sometimes create limiting beliefs, uh, and a limiting belief is something that's going to really arrest your um, uh, development or progress with respect to building wealth. And it could be something along the lines of people like me never get ahead because none of my family have got ahead. Uh, so how am I expected to, to do so? Of course, this is a finance podcast, not a counselling session. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm not a qualified counsellor, of course. Um, but there's a lot of stuff on the internet about limiting beliefs and what you need to do. 
Um, and the general theme is, you know, identify them because obviously if you don't realize you've got these limiting beliefs, there's not much you can do about it. Kind of reframe that belief and look for evidence uh, that, that uh, disproves it uh, and then kind of move forward. But I think the, the first thing I would say is, you know, just recognize it. Uh, and once you recognize it, then you can deal with it. Okay, last one, number five, is life's too short. Uh, and so, of course, no one knows uh, how long we have on this planet. Um, so, of course, we should always make the most for today. And for some people, that extends to how they manage money, uh, which means that they spend everything for today and save nothing for tomorrow. Now, I strongly believe that building wealth is a journey, not really a destination per se, uh, and it's often a long journey. So, of course, I believe we must enjoy that journey because it's quite possible that we won't be lucky enough to live a long and healthy life. And so if we're waiting until retirement to start enjoying life, that, you know, we, we might be disappointed if we don't obviously achieve, uh, you know, if we don't last that long, obviously. Uh, so in practical terms, that really means spend some money for today, you know, enjoy the nice things in life or whatever gives you a sense of enjoyment. Um, but at the same time, save and invest for the future and be really balanced about it. Building wealth doesn't necessarily have to mean that you're going to have to curtail, curtail every activity that gives you enjoyment. Uh, and in fact, I think that's, uh, that, that's not an approach for me. So there's a, an acronym called uh, FIRE, which is a Financially Independent Retire Early, I think it stands for. Um, and the thesis behind the strategy is that you... Um, work really hard, um, spend no money for 10 or 15, 20 years, uh, and then get yourself to retirement as quick as possible. Now, horses for courses, it could suit people um, or, or different people, of course, that could be fine and it could work really well. But in my opinion, it's not for me because the um, big assumption behind this strategy is that you will uh, live a long life and you'll get plenty of time to enjoy all that hard work. Well, no one really knows that, do they? So I think it's really about having balance, like most things in life, and kind of enjoying the journey as much as you possibly can. Um, and realizing if you take that approach that life's too short, we should spend everything today, uh, that you just need to refer to that fear number one, that you can't ignore um, financial misbehaviors forever. They're going to come to roost, uh, and there's going to be a bigger and bigger price to pay the longer you ignore it. So I think the biggest sort of theme I can leave you with is be conscious. I think conscious decision making is really the key when it comes to um, uh, investing and financial planning and, and particularly cash flow management. You know, unconscious expenditure um, is something we all do, spend money on things we don't even consider whether, you know, we're getting enough uh, enjoyment from it or, you know, if we eliminate it, whether it, it actually changes our life at all. That's kind of what I call unconscious expenditure. Uh, and it's very wasteful. People end up wasting a lot of money on things that don't really value. Um, and the same with invest in decision making around investments and money, you know, be more conscious and reflective on how you're making decisions. You know, when you draw a line and say, oh, I'm not going to do that, that's too risky. Um, say to yourself, that's interesting. How did I, how do I arrive at that? Um, and then what it does is it allows you to open up and consider the evidence. Um, and the good thing about uh, investing is that it's, it's, typically very basic, very basic to understand. It's, it's often rooted in simple logic and very simple maths. 
And of course, I know I've got a vested interest in saying this, but if you uh, struggle with some of these fears, perhaps the best way to deal with it is kind of outsource that decision making. So that is engage a independent financial advisor, you know, someone that has substantially more experience than you, but also uh, doesn't have any emotional baggage about your money. Um, it can be a, a wise thing to do, of course. Okay, that's it for me for this week. As always, thanks for listening and please uh, share the podcast uh, with anyone that you think might be interested. Cheers.